Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by David Porter, Director of Surge Marketing Solutions, a marketing and advertising agency in Middlesbrough. David, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm well. Thank you very much for coming on the program today. Um, we might as well dive straight in. What does the word yeah. leader mean to you? Um, leader has quite quite a few meanings um, to me, to be honest. Um, we've been thinking about this quite a lot in, in the office um, with, the, with the team. Um, and we've kind of come up with some, some, some the ideas of what, we, what leadership is to us and kind of how they feel that I lead the business world and lead them. Um, and we'd say one of the biggest things is, is to be a visionary. Um, someone who's always looking forward, but also keeping one eye on the past. Um, you know, someone who can learn from the lessons and, and, and get, get the most out of people. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? So um, I would say I'm quite democratic. Um, I'm very open to opinions. People can, you know, give people the, the space for creative freedom. Um, I feel on doing that, you get, you get the input that you need and that you can then make your decisions to, to drive the business forward. But it's very much about kind of getting getting feedback from the, the people that are around you. I would imagine that creative freedom and feedback is almost essential in your uh, line of work. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, I obviously it's my business. I'm the, I'm the director of the company, but I'm I'm nothing without the team that I surround myself with. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's important to understand that um, any good business is the sum of its parts. Um, you know, I'm good at what I do, but I need all the other skilled people around me who are brilliant at what they do as well. And when you put all those things together, that's what, that's what makes it a, you know, a really strong business. Now, of course, uh, part of uh, leading that team is dealing with humans with all their uh, uh, foibles and uh, fallibilities. Uh, mm-hmm. when, when these sorts of issues arise, when someone has an issue with another person or uh, someone's not, not pulling their weight, how do you handle that? So, I mean, this is really about setting the right culture um, and having the right the right values in the business as well. Um, so, what we're what we're doing, what we seem to be quite good at is helping people understand their strengths and weaknesses. Um, you know, what we would like to do is to try and build people's confidence. Now, nobody's good at everything, um, but I think everyone needs to be working on on themselves. So, I'm constantly doing that as myself. I've I've looked at um, for this next year and said, what are the where are the areas that I feel that are are kind of my weaknesses and I'm, I've been open to the, to the rest of the people in the company to explain what, what I want to do to improve myself. Um, and that encourages other people then to kind of self-reflect on the areas that they want to improve upon. And I think it is important to do that. Reflecting is really important. You can be too busy in a job doing something. Um, and if you don't take time to reflect on what could be done better, you'll just keep doing it the same way and you're never going to get any better by doing that. Um, I think open and honest conversations with people as well is, is really important. But ultimately, by, by doing this stuff, you're building people's confidence. And when they're seeing improvements, it's about you know you then vocalizing and recognizing that they've actually they've, they've, they've put that effort in. And then um, there's been a marked improvement on the back of it. And even further, so the knock-on effect. So by you becoming better or stronger in that area, this is the impact it's had on the business. Or this is the impact it's had on another individual in the business as well. Let's go back to an earlier point in your career. In fact, the very beginning when you first entered the world of work, was there any particular mm-hmm. leader within uh, that time frame that really formed the way that you lead today? 
Um, not particularly. Um, I think what what I found um, when I've worked in other organisations and I've worked for I've typically worked for managers and I've never really had someone who's been a, a leader per se. So what I've kind of done over the years is um, learn how not to do it. Right. So well, that's, I've, that's, I've just, at, that's just the same as that. You know, sometimes negative influence is going to have, in the end, uh, as much of a positive effect on one's skill set uh, as as positive ones, can't they? Yes, yes, one hundred percent. I think you know we're always looking for ways to improve things. Um, as a business, we're problem solvers, so we're we're always looking for a problem and trying to fix it. And I think some of that and why I've kind of come into this career in terms of digital marketing is from the, my past experience, you know, of, of being able to spot problems and then what is there a better way of doing this? Because I think there's always a better way of doing something. Um, I think it doesn't matter what the business is or what you do in life, there's always a better way of doing it. What sort of leaders in industry inspire you? Um, so, oh, sorry, I might have to go back on this. I apologize. I've gone totally blank there. <laughs> Well, that's perfectly fine. Uh, why, why don't I hit you up with a with a much uh, more broad but slightly more difficult question? If I was to yeah. ask you to identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Um, it's a rather tricky one, I know. Yeah, I mean, the obvious choice is kind of talking. It would be Winston Churchill, wouldn't it? Of course, um, yes. You know that'd be that'd be the obvious choice when we've probably probably been through our, our greatest hardship. He was someone that that brought the people together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in probably the the darkest hour, he was the person that that rallied. You know, not just our country but multiple countries to, to fight for for something that was really important and something obviously would have been incredibly scary for people to do. Um, yet people put their their lives. Um, and know, of course, people their lives for that. And of course, Churchill's key was communication. And the ability yeah. to get that message out and win people over and uh, form that national government of all parties. Uh, what yeah. sort of lessons uh, from Churchill's leadership do you think you could draw to place into an effect uh, in business? Um, I would say it's communication skills. Mm-hmm. I'd say definitely, you know, the way he, the way he communicated and articulated his point is what made the difference. And I, um, and I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I'd draw down. If we were looking at kind of more modern day influencers, um, then again, I think the obvious choice to be people like Richard Richard Branson, um, right. Steve Jobs, um, both of which um, built something huge, and they did so by not necessarily their own talents, um, but by spotting other people and yeah. developing those people and understanding how to put teams of people together to get the best results. Um, and I think, again, that, 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 that's, that's true leadership. And of course, Branson and Jobs have two very, very different styles uh, of, yes. of management uh, mm-hmm. and uh, in public uh, appearance. But you are absolutely correct what they do have uh, in common and what they'd have in common with people like Edison uh, is that they, they find people who, uh, who are very good at what they do and then bring yeah. them in-house so that the co- company uh, can take credit for uh, what, what uh, 
has come from their from their staff, uh, yes. which is is the model, of course, broken in by uh, by Edison, where anything invented in his uh, facility was invented by Thomas Edison, whether or not he actually did it. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's great branding um, exercise. Uh, and yeah. one that I think a lot of companies still take to this day. Now, unfortunately, our time uh, together is running rather quickly to its close. Uh, mm-hmm. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Surge Marketing Solutions? Um, so we, we have big plans. We, I mean, we're a team of 13 people at the moment. We, you know, we've grown rapidly over the last five years. Um, we're just about to take out uh, another, another office with a larger premises. Um, and we're also going to be bringing training and development um, to the market, there is quite a, a lack of knowledge in regards to digital marketing. Um, so we want to basically support people who are in same marketing roles and market manager roles that have some knowledge but don't know huge amounts about this area. Um, so that's what we're bringing to the market, uh, a training um, facilities for the people. Well, David, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you, and I very much hope you come back on the program at some point in the near future. David, thank That'll you. That'll be lovely. Thank you. That was David Porter, Director of Surge Marketing Solutions. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did... Uh, score nothing for Essex, uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time, it was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, there were one or two injuries, um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports, that was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time being stuck between the two sports and I think uh, for those that uh, don't know there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer but um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated no matter what form that comes in when you were at West Ham uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him, and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in Sir Ralph Ramsey. So to come across people like that, of that caliber, 
can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players and of course they become your friends who did you look at to at the time uh when to inspire confidence in yourself was it more was it peters i think probably well i was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players i did again mm-hmm. again extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of england and west ham and martin peters who was a fantastic player and some as far as martin's concerned i think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business football team in any walk of life to be successful and it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well selling car warranties to car dealerships and you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all and so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn sheet, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, 
we've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it, only a few games before. I was I was playing, and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark. Mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just. A lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position, and somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into it because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about it, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm I'm not making this up. I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not 
you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you too. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, in most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um... Uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. On this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make me laugh if that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realized that people teammates began looking at you for leadership um is that something that occurred to you or did you just realize that by by quick one way or the other people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration well possibly that's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now quite frankly that's a new a new question mm. does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration um, 
you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um. Well, a play, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude. is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but... There's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just... Luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they've they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, hmm. no question at all. I think they. Uh, Ron Green was yeah. The answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, good they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back. Uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that. So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned. 
uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back to an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. We have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single mind in this, uh, single mind in this dedication dedication to the job um, thinking about that 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 role that job in leadership all the time it's a huge part of your life but it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.